0: Hello listeners and welcome to episode four. On this episode, I am talking to my friend Gemma who became a carer after a life-changing event involving her partner. Uh, On this episode, she talks about how the event triggered off something inside her and led to her having some mental health challenges and the consequence. So guys, I hope you will sit back and enjoy this chat with my friend Gemma and I will see you at the end of this so hi Gemma welcome to the Let's Go Mental podcast and I got to thank you for your time I know it's not easy uh, because you've got two kids a husband and a career there's a lot going on for you isn't <laughs> there at the moment no um, oh,
1: the pleasure's all mine thank oh, you for having me
0: oh thank you now we know each other from our previous lives don't we
1: indeed indeed we do
0: yeah so we both worked at uh, tax and audit firm. Would that be fair? Yeah, do
1: you know what? I was about to make a comment about tiers. Uh, yeah. Tier 1, tier 2, but I thought that that's not it's not a funny joke at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, maybe not. Yes, maybe we not. Did. We worked at, we worked at one of the big accountancy firms.
0: Yes, together. we weren't a city firm um known quite well I think and we mm-hmm. we worked in a team together I think we didn't work on projects together as such I think we worked very briefly on one project together mm-hmm. um, and that's after I think I came back from holiday and I was kind of I, I think I'm, I mentioned it to you in a conversation wasn't it? I think recently where I was a bit of aghast and seeing three people in the corner <laughs> one of my managers <laughs> yourself and another <laughs> colleague beavering away on spreadsheets <laughs> and it looked like it'd, like some nuclear bomb had hit that area as it's I did.
1: I was about to say, it's always a delightment when someone says they're aghast when they see you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. But, but yeah, yeah, you were taken aback by the, the fury at which we were working. Probably, we did. The, the, the looks on our faces uh, of horror, probably. We, we also won't talk about which client that was. <laughs> no, we won't, we won't.
0: It was actually quite hilarious for me because I just come back from honeymoon. So I was in a blissful state anyway. So therefore, I think nothing could have destroyed my... Uh, my wonderful 14 days away, discovering the virtues of Southeast Asia. Sorry, listen, that's yeah. enough of my travel. I'm not Alan Wicker, so I'll stop there. Um, <laughs> now, you and I are talking on New on Year's Day, so it seems kind kind of poignant, doesn't it, really? Um, 2020 hasn't been fantastic for anybody. Yeah. And I can imagine, I suppose, uh, for lots of people, especially those who are, you know, in a difficult place, loneliness and, and other yeah. mental health issues, maybe it's not been great. But I'm, I'm hoping 2021 is going to be better for everybody because i think we all we all deserve that don't we
1: yeah i tend to agree with you i think um i think i mean let's let's not take away um from some of the the basic basic positives if you like that yeah. we're here we've got our got our health generally speaking and friends and family amongst us even though obviously we haven't been able to see them yeah. so I, I you know personally i'm someone i count myself lucky every day to have that so despite the fact uh despite the the facts of this year And, you know, from my point of view, I think this year has been very difficult and very yeah. intense year yeah. for everyone in in slightly different ways. I think it's been very difficult if you're on your own, as you said. Yeah. I think it's been very difficult if you're not on your own, mm-hmm. and also trying to balance um, the intensity of some of the you know, everyday life going on if you're trying to work and yeah. um, you know. From my perspective, juggle uh, children and yeah. childcare as well. So, yeah. like I say, I think in summary, um, I, my perspective is it's been it's been challenging and yeah. difficult for. for for all of us in in different ways
0: yeah and i also know you know from i mean i mentioned that you know you, you've got a fantastic career you've got you've got a, you know you've got two lovely wonderful children to look after and a hubby as well you know i, I love talking to you, you know you want to you always bring a smile to my face but of course <laughs> behind every every smile there's sometimes things which are a little bit more tougher that we don't always have and i think that, everyone
1: has a story don't they and yeah. it's only when you yeah when you stop to you know discover what's beneath the surface you, you realize what's really going on behind closed doors i think
0: yeah and it's not And it's always difficult because, I mean, everyone has a a mask they put on in public, and I'm I'm sure I've mentioned this before in maybe a previous podcast, but of course, behind that mask, uh, you know, there can be a lot of pain, a lot of tough times as well. And I know you've gone through some Mm -hmm. really challenging times. Where do we start? I mean, what was your starting point in (laughs) terms of what's what you've been going through and how you've been coping with? I mean, you've had some life changing events, haven't you?
1: Yeah, and it's funny, I guess. So, so if I think about, so the the life changing event that I really that that I really guess is behind um, the conversation we're going to have today mm-hmm. started in 2012, um, the year of the London Olympics.
0: Wow, wow. Um, seems ages ago.
1: Yeah, so I guess when when you and I met and when we were working together, there was a sort of different chapter, if you like, yeah. unfolding at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly the um, the story starts in. 20 in the summer of 2012 and um it's funny I think back now and what are we near well nine nine years on can't do the math yes nine, <laughs> <laughs> nine yes 30, nine years on. Yeah. thanks it's new year's day I feel a bit shabby today yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's just claim that you know when, it's funny hearing you say that you know Gemma you've gone through some life-changing events and um some you know some significant challenges and I guess the stage I've got too I think you know you kind of assimilate these things gradually over time and it's funny when you say that I almost don't don't recognize it because I think you you just you learn and adapt to to deal with the situation that faces you and it's mm-hmm. and it's your it's your normal right
0: and yeah something happened didn't it
1: it did it did indeed um so my husband james now my husband james and i were due to get married in august of 2012 and you know it's an exciting exciting build up to getting married anyway and like i say because the olympics were going on and you know london was alive it was a fan, you know fantastic it was fantastic Sighting year time. as i remember it exactly yeah. and um so as we got closer to the date of the wedding and James, my husband, was, um, he was at work one day and he's a he's a pilot by background and he was looking under an aircraft doing some inspection or other um, and at one point he, he suddenly felt dizzy um, and he put it down to, at the time, I think some stress because he was going through some particular exam protocols or something like that and didn't really think much of it. But as, as the weeks went on, um, he got worse and worse and was... Uh, initially diagnosed with uh, labyrinthitis which if you know for those of you not familiar is um, an inner ear quite a nasty inner ear infection that gives you um, you know symptoms of vertigo and nausea and basically makes you you feel like you've got a permanent hangover of a very (laughs) bad kind um, as the weeks wore on and we got closer to the wedding he was getting worse and worse and you know he tried various treatments um, various remedies but but nothing was shifting it, and it was getting to the point where he w- he couldn't go to work anymore. He was so poorly, and um, yeah, I was starting to get to the point of saying he's not going to be able to walk down the aisle because he couldn't wow. couldn't walk in a straight line. Um, they took him in for some head scans in Salisbury Hospital, and right. he was diagnosed with a brain tumour. So this, right. so needless to say, that started something of a admin avalanche in the first instance really I imagine initial, yeah i mean this... the initial shock of the diagnosis God, but um yeah. yeah so the wedding didn't happen needless right. to say um yeah. and the the priority from that point that friday night was To figure out what on earth to do and what the nature of the condition was that had probably been, you know, he'd probably had this brain tumour for years and years and years flying around and it had never, as in he he had been flying around all over the world and it had never been an issue and obviously something had triggered it, which then... That in turn triggered, you know, a series of circumstances and events and a new path in, in our lives that but, but I guess.
0: um. And how did you I mean, obviously, it's a big shock. You're about to get married. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the world's your oyster kind of thing, you know, those kind of feelings. And then suddenly you're <coughs> confronted with it is a life changing event, isn't it? Because all of a sudden you've got to reevaluate everything and there's a new priority in your life. Of course, it's James's mm-hmm. health. How did that mm-hmm. make you feel at that point? finding out what you did and you know what what at that point what were you how did you cope
1: I think um I think the human body and the human mind is incredible and I think I remember very distinctly one of the the real kind of lasting feelings for me was until that point of the diagnosis I'd had so many things in my flying around in my mind about Mm. and actually as soon as that diagnosis hit I couldn't think of a single thing that was more, that was relevant or more important than, than what we were facing. And, and yeah, it had, you know, the whole world uh, around me stopped moving for a while, if you like, whilst we yeah. tried to figure out what was going on with um, the situation and what the path of treatment was going to be. Yeah. And, and I think when I say that, you know, human brain is amazing and the body is amazing I think you do go into well I'm certainly someone who goes into very practical mode when crisis hits and and you deal with the practicalities whether you've got we didn't have children at the time but you know whether you've got children to sort out or tasks to do and a a pretty big focus for me really was sorting out the wedding in the meantime because there's a lot of waiting around in 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 the course of a diagnosis and planning for treatment and um, and actually cancelling the wedding doing a mega insurance claim yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah, um, was was quite a big task obviously breaking the news to all of our family and friends and and actually one of the things that I I really found difficult was managing other people's emotions around the shock of something like that and and I think the way I coped was to be pretty pretty matter of fact and quite removed from it in a way I remember I remember people saying to me Gemma doesn't feel like you're not you don't seem to be upset you don't seem to be in shock and I think these things hit later often because in the in the thick of it you are just dealing with what you need to deal with and the practicalities and getting through the days really
0: there's always that flight or fight yeah. Uh, reaction. So in your instance, mm-hmm. you, there was a version of the fight, which is I'm not going to let this thing. Mm. Uh, I, I've just got to get on with it. And as you said, you're very mm-hmm. practical in and having to deal with those mm-hmm. steps. But of course, that can't last forever because then at some point the emotion absolutely. will take over, won't it? And yeah. Yeah. And did you have a lot? I mean, it sounds like you had support around you. I mean, what what what's really compelling about what you've just said, there is a way in which mm. you also had to break that news to others as well as dealing with. Mm. And James, of course, because James has got to deal with this. You've got to support him. Yeah. Uh, you it sounds like you you had a lot on your shoulders make these changes uh because obviously you've got to cancel the wedding like you said you've got to just make an mm. insurance claim yeah
1: i mean about the, yeah. the wedding and the admin yeah. too much because because that that's something just needed to happen just done, um, but obviously but obviously it meant that i had to go out to over 100 people and tell them right, about yeah. what had happened simply because yeah. they were the wedding guests right and ordinarily of something um, health-wise happens to you, you have a choice about who you tell right yeah. you, you, there's a there's a kind of circle of impact that you have but in this case it had to be fairly public um, yeah. and yeah and dealing with other people's emotions and and helping helping them to deal with the shock of it because obviously of course needless to say our family and friends were absolutely devastated for imagine? us and, yeah. and for James and. But like I say, my way of coping with it. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it that's sounds, it. So how did you cope with it? crazy. <laughs> so it sounds crazy now right. I say it. And I'm almost a bit um, embarrassed, but I feel slightly uncomfortable saying it. So on the day of the surgery that yep. he has, he was down in Southampton. You have a phenomenal um, neuro-oncology unit yep. down there. Um, I think I remember driving him down there from where we are, yeah. with just, just between Winchester and Basingstoke. We yeah. drove him down there for the morning, um, <laughs> pretty early start. And um, I was working at that point. I remember this is 2012, so before you and I met. But at that yeah. point, I was working at Heathrow. And in my infinite wisdom, I decided after dropping him off for the pre-op and, and yeah. you know, going, sending him off to the anaesthetist, I drove back to Heathrow and did a day's work because the operation was due to last 10 hours. So for me, I couldn't think of anything worse than waiting around in a hotel. A hotel, sorry, in a hospital. We may as well be um, in a hotel, as I suppose. In some
0: ways. <laughs> um,
1: so I went. I went and did a day day's work, and I wow. think probably by mid afternoon, I was starting to crack up a bit. So right. decided to drive
0: back down to Southampton. So reality hit. Love- like I've done my pragmatic bit. I've been the taxi. I've done this. Yeah. Right. I've done a bit you of can- work. <laughs> okay. There's something serious going on now. I think you i better only, go back.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can only push yourself. You can only push your body so far, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I did lose. I lost the teeth. I lost like part of my teeth on the way as well. I mean, from grinding your stress. teeth, no doubt, right? No, I, I don't know. But, um, I don't. So, so stress and teeth. I mean, I'm no dentist, but I know that stress and <laughs> teeth yeah. have a big link. Yeah. And, um, and i remember as i was leaving the hospital i was eating an apple and um (laughs) and part of one of my back teeth came that came out and obviously in the run run after this surgery you know you take your body you take on so much and you don't really you're not really conscious of it always and it has like you said the stress has to come out somehow and sometimes that's you know physical means and sometimes it's an emotional means and yeah. for me I think I became pretty expert at sweeping a lot of the emotions under right. the carpet and it has to come out some somewhere. Yeah. There has to be a fallout. Now a tooth is a pretty insignificant thing. The the major or the, the more major psychological or emotional yeah. fallout happens afterwards and, and yeah I can certainly talk about that.
0: So the good news of course uh the surgery was success from what I gather yeah. from what you're telling me. And Yep. So what yeah. so what was then the next stage in terms of so obviously it's now recovery, uh you still got <laughs> marriage <laughs> to think about, but I guess that's on the back burner for a little bit. But from your <laughs> own point of view, so but then so you went to work and then but what else did you do? I mean, did you get out of anyone did you, obviously you've got your friends and you've got a circle of uh close family of course who who'll yes. probably put an arm around you and support you and do the best you can. But was there anything else you found that you needed at that time apart from just I mean, I it sounds as if you didn't you weren't alone, but you certainly realised actually, like you said a breaking point, I think you mentioned and there was something probably going on inside you that you recognized i need some support with maybe i mean that did that ever occur to you or that sounds a really bit harsh occurred to you but yeah. did it did something get triggered in you to say actually i'm not comfortable with this and i think i need a bit of help maybe
1: not at the time yeah not at the time it was only a couple of years later that um i realized the impact of this whole evolution and yeah. in a nutshell when i say a whole evolution so A lot of people have had to cancel their weddings this in 2020 because of the pandemic. So, so that would be pretty or or cancel significant events in their life. Let me not just limit it to to weddings. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's a thing that you know has, of course, has an emotional impact. But but the bigger impact that took me probably more years to to really realise and and start to process was what it does to your relationship when you are you know you're living with somebody and you're planning in our case a wedding and yeah. and you're you know you have your partner there as an equal. Yeah. Now th- the last thing I want is for this to sound disrespectful obviously for anyone going yeah. through a chronic illness of any type but yeah. if you're then put into a situation where you are caring for your partner yeah. and trying to attend trying your best to attend to the needs that they have yeah. and dealing with all the logistics in in our case James wasn't allowed to drive obviously for Um, quite some time after surgery so he uh, wasn't he didn't he had his driver license removed for a year and and that's pretty limiting for somebody you know if you live in a fairly rural place like we do uh, there's no tube to jump on Um, he was he ended up going back to work first part-time and then built up to full-time but just for the simple logistics when your partner is no longer able to have that independence for themselves yeah. um and obviously in the immediate stages of recovery just silly things that things you used to share that you know whether it's domestic chores or cooking yeah. or admin or just picking you know picking picking up some milk on your way home from work or whatever it might be yeah. suddenly if somebody is physically and logistically limited um yeah you've got to you've got to suck it up and fill the gap um yeah which you know is 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 a is a challenge over a sustained period of time you know we can all we can all do it for a short time but 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 if you have to manage that for a sustained period of time it really starts to change the dynamic of your relationship and that's something that that we certainly lived through
0: um did you feel do you feel that you're starting to become resentful to James maybe I mean I know it sounds I know where I've well, we talked about my my relationship breaking down and because I was mm. unwell and I felt that on the other side, my partner was resentful towards me for being unwell. Mm-hmm. Right. And then mm. for her to have to pick up everything while mm. I'm recovering. And the reason mm. why I'm asking that is that because I, I I felt that experience and I felt I feel a degree of guilt over that as being yeah. a person unwell and then watching my partner also yeah. suffer because they're having to do a lot more and they're they're feeling yeah. the strain
1: yeah i i know that that james um felt guilty and feels guilty to some extent to this day about the let's call it the additional kind of workload if yeah. you like that that it caused for me now in my case i can honestly say i i did it out of love and out of because well, because big yeah. uh, because i and i i don't i don't recall ever feeling any resentment directly towards him for yeah. the situation because I I firmly recognised it wasn't his fault. Of course, he hadn't done it by design, yeah. and and of course I was going to pick up the slack. You know, I'm, I was and am his partner. Of course, I'm going to do it. But it's now, hard, right? That does that doesn't that, uh, that makes it sound like I'm painting myself <laughs> in a sort of holier than thou. Like what I was about to say is the way it played out for me. Yeah. Is that when I I. I found it really hard and had those sort of feelings of um, maybe bitter feelings, if you like, when every single day somebody would ask me, uh, you know, caring, um, somebody would ask me about James every single day. How is he? Oh, you know, it must be so hard for him. Those those type of comments. And after a while, that really started to burn me. It really did, because Uh. when somebody is under the care of a hospital or under the care of health professionals they are of course they're struggling probably with their own mental well-being of course they are but actually physically and logistically they're pretty well cared for yeah and that's the bit that you have to pick up as a partner so the, the resentment for me played out in a bit of a bitterness and an unwillingness to to want to really talk about the situation because which again is bad but my big driver was just carry on and just not forget about it but just move on and keep pushing forward so just keep Um, going
0: just keep going and
1: yeah and it and it made me and, and i remember this causing a problem between james and myself because I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I was right. so done with it. I just wanted yeah. to talk about something else because I was so. I found that I found the pity that people approached me with and us with yeah. as a couple. I found it really. I found it really suffocating. And of course, right. it wasn't their fault. But I didn't. I st- I didn't want to be in a place of self pity. And if people no. people are being sympathetic, and often it can come across as pitying, yeah. um, and that makes you feel really. Well, it makes me, it made me feel at that point in time, pretty sad. Oh, sad, right, (laughs) okay. Just a bit, just a bit, not pathetic, but um, I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want pity. I I kind of, like I say, I'm a very practical person. And I just wanted to, not fix it per se, because with chronic health conditions, you you appreciate you cannot just fix them yeah. overnight of course not imagine. but I just wanted to crack on with life and enjoying life and not dwell on it now that's it's good and it's bad right because yeah. actually Absolutely. you need to rec. you need to take pause and take time to recognize the severity of what's happened and I guess my my error if you like in just carrying on and you know, driving forward with everything was that, A, it probably made James, I know it made James feel at points that um, I was uncaring because I didn't want to talk about his situation all the time anymore.
0: That could be quite hard, right?
1: I I think so. I appreciate it now um, more than I did at the time. Uh, It can. I think it probably uh, made me at the time come across, like I say, maybe slightly uncaring and and slightly callous towards the situation just because that was my coping mechanism. I I didn't want to dwell on
0: something that was so devastating. Yeah. You feel that I don't want to be a victim. I'm not being, Mm. and and when people offer sympathy, they don't sometimes realize I've experienced that, Mm. that they're kind of victimizing you. And whereas you just want, look, just, if you can run out and get me some milk maybe or maybe give us a call and say do you want some help with yeah. shopping if you're busy or I'm happy yeah. to do that it's not just about oh I'm so sorry to hear about that how are things you know yeah and it can... people
1: don't know what to say they yeah, don't know it's what difficult. to say and I don't I don't blame them I really don't blame them because I wouldn't have known what to say I still don't always say at all <laughs> sure. um but
0: but
1: but you don't you know it's a it's a rare thing that happened to us and yeah. I think until you've been through some kind of difficulty mm-hmm. or challenge of your own you don't know what to say and um, it is
0: difficult you're right because
1: and therefore people some people stay away now yeah. we were we were incredibly fortunate to have incredibly supportive friends and family around yeah. but there does come a point where people treat you very gently which is which is lovely and it's <laughs> right but yeah people don't people don't know what to say anymore and like you say over and above anything else, and, and this really doesn't take away from the support we were yeah. given by friends and family, Yeah, um, I didn't want to be a victim, and that made me just sweep it under the carpet. Yeah.
0: By doing that, though, what, I mean, you talked about how you were starting to feel, I, I want, yeah, you were saying you're, I was starting mm. to feel bitter about what happened, mm. and maybe... Your, li- your life is now been put on hold in effect and those dreams and hopes you had to do together yeah. because of mm-hmm. this thing, because you now become a carer. That's what it is, isn't it? Fundamentally, you become mm-hmm. a carer. Your needs and wants have to, I, I don't want to say come second, but... Take a back seat, right? Yeah, yeah. take a back mm-hmm. seat and you've got to be, you've got to be, the, I guess, the strong one, the one that's kind of holding the fort together, the one that's having to, I suppose, to some extent, also keep those dreams and hopes alive. But, I mean, were you able to do that? I mean, could you see that there's light at the end of the tunnel out of this? And if I can get through it and, mm. I'm, and I'm getting the support, because yeah. clearly you were getting the support. And I know you're such yeah, a resilient and, you know, I know you're one of the most bubbliest, most wonderful people. I have in my life and I'm very grateful for that and I do generally mean <laughs> that because every time I talk to you you always bring a smile to my face I've never ever heard you moan or get angry about anything and it's a testament to your you know your kind of your resilience I, I guess I can call it but of course it has its as its toll so I I haven't seen that side where
1: mm. you
0: where you where you are feeling a bit low maybe or you're not able to maybe exhibit the emotions you want to because you know you're being stoic right uh, mm. I think I talked talked about it in episode three about my dad. My, you know, my dad, um, his brothers passed away early in the, like, early last year now, mm. and but yet he maintains his demeanor of kind of you know he's like a rigid upright. Uh, he's not going to mm. allow, despite the fact he's hurting heaps, right? But he's not allowing himself yeah. to show the emotions to us, which are the people mm. whom you know we love and care about. So I'm just wondering if that's something you went through yeah. as well. Maybe you mm. know you're being this solid rock but yet inside yeah, you're I like think... a, a torrent of volcanic activity probably
1: <laughs> i'm an admin machine basically <laughs> so sorting out logistics will keep me going for a long time right. um no i think i think so what you've described does sound familiar but for me how how it played out was like i say several years later where yeah. if i were, if i was putting on a, stoic, a stoical face or a resilient face it, it wasn't it wasn't an act i don't Believe for me, that was just my way of coping. It coping, wasn't that yeah. I then, I didn't then dissolve when I got home and I was on my own or anything like that. Right. um But for me, the way it came out years later was probably realizing and and me starting to experience some signs of anxiety in myself that I right. recognized that made me think I, I need to, I need, I need
0: to sort myself out. Yeah. I need to deal you with. You need this. help. You need some support, um, don't you?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and, and although I've kept going for, for quite some time, and, and you yeah. know what? The world keeps on turning. You know, this situation <laughs> happened to us, but, yeah. you know things quickly move things quickly move on and particularly in our case where james made such a remarkable recovery and went back to work fairly early on you know people people see you carrying on as normal okay there's a few logistical differences practical differences in terms of for example not driving otherwise they kind of they speak to you and they go well everything sounds all right so the world the world keeps on turning and people's lives move on and now you know we both wanted our lives to move on as well we didn't want to live in the shadow of this illness yeah um However, I started to recognize a few years later yeah. that I was experiencing um, yeah. symptoms that weren't normal for me. So yeah. if I just give you an example, they always say sleep is one of the first things to, to take a hit if you're, yeah. if you're under stress or 100%. you're anxious. And I've always been an absolute champion sleeper. You know, a bomb could go off next to me and I wouldn't wake up. But what I started to find was that I was lying awake at night in bed next to James and I could hear him breathing. And the nature of the illness he had was such that the brain tumor he had was on his brain stem and it was at an area that could affect your breathing and swallowing reflexes. And I would notice this little sort of hiccup in his in his breathing and you know in the still of the night when everything feels worse and magnified and you feel more alone it got it just escalated over nights and nights and nights um i just i couldn't lie there. i couldn't lie there next to him and i'd have to get up and go downstairs and lie on the sofa and talk to the cat
0: (laughs) um so you've got these heightened you you're you're becoming now super sensitive to any because obviously you mm-hmm. has this experience and the severity of what's happened to James you're now like mm. super sensitive to anything that might be potentially seen as yeah. a threat right to his well-being and of yeah, course your well-being
1: these triggers that you that you have and i don't think i realized that this um, this particular symptom was associated um, with his condition right. obviously hiccup hiccuping is perfectly normal in yep. in pretty much all of the population but for <laughs> him in particular this was a, this was a trigger for me and um it became a real problem for us because he knew that um that whenever it happened during the day or the night yeah. it would set me off on on this on this track, and he would then try and hide it from me, wow. which I knew he was trying to do oh and uh, because he was trying to protect me obviously and and i i not I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that um you know i I suffered with really bad anxiety, yeah. but i I knew that that so it, it, i mean in a general sense but his health put me on a real um, anxious course because I was worried about him and his health all the time. Now, yeah. you, and you, you might ask why. Well, obviously, apart from it being the person you love and you care about, I, yeah. I've come to realize it's because any little trigger that would take you back to that point in time when yes. he was really, really Unwell. devastatingly ill, yeah. um, it reminds you of the life that you thought you were going to have and the track that you thought your life was on. Yeah. And and I think for me that every time I was then taken back to that, I was then taken back to the loss and the devastation and everything that went with it at that time that I'd probably yeah. swept, swept away. Yeah. Um, so it was, like I say, it was a real trigger for me. And I, after some time, realised that not living uh, as fulfilled a life as you could do and um, Um, you know and I I actually sought help for it when we were working together and possibly you never knew because I never shared it openly you know we were lucky enough I mean was the company we worked for
0: yeah so this was in 2015
1: maybe or 2015
0: because I joined in 2014 didn't I I joined in in the kind Hmm. of the early summer of 2014 and I think you may have joined yeah. in the autumn, actually, thinking about it. I
1: joined, I, I'm glad it was memorable for you. I joined in May. So it was the following year then? It was the following year. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. It was may, may 2015, I joined. Right. And um, I thought, so it's at that point in time, um, just in a nutshell, James had had a recurrence of the condition that he had. Oh, God. And we knew that he was going to have to have further treatment. Now, and that kind of started the whole thing over again really. And you know, no, you think you yeah. think you've you think you've put the lid on something and you think you've got it under control. And then that really opened it up. And in the meantime, like I say, life life had Goes on. we did end up getting married. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. suffered a number of um, I guess, difficult challenges myself with my own health. I'd sure. had an ectopic pregnancy yeah. and a miscarriage, which um, you know, again, I think I'd I'd got to the stage where James's health was always the trump card really yeah. so again anything that happened to me I hadn't I just kind of swept away because the kind of status normal was to be worrying about James's health not mine yeah so I never really dealt with those things either and then when the re-diagnosis or the new diagnosis came up which is when we were working together first of all yeah. um, I, re- I recognized that it was time to do something about it so yeah. um, we were lucky enough to have access to um, mental health services yeah. out, uh, through work. Yes, for the Employee um, Assistance that, Line. The yeah, employee I, did, assistance although line. <laughs> I didn't use that, you know. I just. Didn't. Um, Interesting. No, 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 no. But I had an assessment with um, through the healthcare scheme uh, at work. I had an assessment where yep. they obviously ask you about your state of mind and your thoughts and things like that and then determine what treatment is suitable for you and yep. i was recommended to have um well, i was given the unfortunately well, given the option to have one-to-one counseling okay um which i then went on to have
0: and how did you find that did you were you receptive to having did you feel counseling was the right route because uh, those early symptoms of anxiety are yeah one of them is yeah mm. there's a sleeplessness you did you have mm. intrusive thoughts as well where you couldn't find yourself stop thinking about scenarios involving uh something horrible Mm. happening james but more importantly if you weren't around how would you how would james go on and all that kind of stuff do you have any of those sorts of feelings
1: the feelings i remember having were disturbing um imagine because so the nature of them was more about um (laughs) what would plan b be
0: right um
1: and again you'll notice a pattern here i yeah. incre- my my default is incredibly logical pra- and practical yeah and it was it was becoming and what it what it did to me was made it really galvanized that kind of independence in me i've always been a reasonably independent person but never got that my, impression
0: Gemma. never got that impression <laughs>
1: <laughs> now i know you're now i know you're teasing me, Emma. Um, <laughs> So oh yeah, let's not go there. No, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. but what, what it did to me was that it, it it made me think about what will I do if James isn't here manage? How will I yeah, how will I how will I move through my life, right? And actually that takes you into a position of probably shutting off a fair bit because you go into yeah. survival mode yeah. and it probably shut it you know I think about it, it probably shut me off from Quite a lot of emotions because you again you just go and you go into the practicalities and yeah how would i manage but but that for me gave me even though yeah it's pretty pretty disturbing set of thoughts because you're basically planning your life
0: With on someone. your own yeah this is without it.
1: your without your partner which yeah. which is horrific um but it gave me a lot of peace i think because i had for me it was important for me to know that i could cope and i would be okay if the worst happened.
0: But how did so you feel really feel about pounds. that? I mean, because that is those are some really profound thoughts you're having, right? Because clearly that bond between you and james is so important and the fact that you've gone through so much together up to the point where you're now you know you're i don't want to say you're not in a good place but you're certainly mm. you know you're starting to fall on well yourself you know in terms of your well-being and mental well-being mm. maybe the things that happened to you gone. and i'm so sorry to hear about i mean i i hadn't even realized it and i think you had done. no you wouldn't have yeah, you wouldn't I... have
1: and it was it was prior to us meeting yeah. anyway so you wouldn't have but like i said again i never really i i probably talk about it i, I talk about those things that happen to me more now years later than than I ever did at the time because like I say the the norm for us and the very disturbing and negative comfort zone was to be worried about James's health not mine so selfless Um, that's
0: I mean that's complete selflessness mm. you know and then but there is a toll to that right because (laughs) being completely selfless means you're neglecting your own needs you did recognize it because clearly the you saw there were things going on with you where Mm. You know, I actually need to get some support now because I'm not feeling comfortable with where I'm feeling and I don't yeah. And maybe I don't feel myself and I'm Mm. and so I guess in this instance, so the first you know, when James was first diagnosed, I think there was that fight to response because you're dealing with something. Mm -hmm. But now you're dealing with something with yourself and it becomes less fight and more flight. You're trying to you're trying to Mm. find ways to either distract yourself from what's happening and then maybe it'll sort out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I mean, these are just some of my thoughts about what happens mm-hmm. sometimes when I was first diagnosed mm-hmm. with anxiety. I mean, I certainly was having terrible uh, weight. I mm-hmm. would focus on, you know, my partner sleeping and breathing, not because mm-hmm. I thought something horrible was happening, but I couldn't mm-hmm. switch off. You know, my mind was just mm-hmm. worrying all the time. Mm-hmm. And I guess in this instance, you had that flight response where you, there's so much going on in yourself and trying to acknowledge and how to deal with it, I guess, mm-hmm. is difficult, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, and I think it I think it becomes your comfort zone, like I alluded to you before. Yeah. So that state that status of, you know, you've just mentioned lying awake and, and listening to your partner breathing or yeah. um, being in that anxious state becomes yeah. normal for you. Yeah. And um and that's what in a in a weird way where you feel most
0: comfortable. Familiarity, isn't it? There's something familiar about that feeling. You can deal mm. with that, you understand yeah. that because it's become normal. Yeah. Whereas the normal yeah. was the situation before this. Is, <laughs> this all happened. It's kind of insane, isn't yeah, it? In yeah,
1: but, but you forget that, right? Yeah. That, that, that's not normal anymore. No. You've got a, this
0: a to normal. use the phrase
1: of the year, and you normal. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, I didn't even plan that one either. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and do you know what? I don't, I don't want to be extreme about this because yeah. <laughs> hopefully you'll corroborate this. A yeah, well, um, I'll do my best. <laughs> but but I, I don't think that on the surface, I don't think on the face of it, anyone really would have known that i was going through this i don't think so i, I think, didn't 100%. i think on the surface people would have gone yeah you know Gemma's fine she's getting through the day she's performing reasonably at her job and you know and it wasn't long before we then had a child to deal with yeah. um which you probably remember as well so yeah so do you know what the the, the capacity the human mind and body has to you know, in some in some circumstances to just carry on. And um, it is really
0: remarkable, I think. It is, um, but it does, there is a price to pay.
1: But it's, da- it's dangerous that yeah. we have that capacity because no one knows what's going on uh, behind closed doors or, you know, if you lift the lid...
0: So there you go, listeners, that was episode four. And that was a chat with my friend Gemma, a very frank and very open chat, I must say. And I thank Gemma for her time. If there was anything in there which resonated with you and you are struggling with those kind of similar sorts of feelings or experiences, please do get in touch with your GP Um, at the same time if you are really struggling in the short term. Either call the Samaritans, which is uh, 116-123. They will listen to you and at least give you some support in the short term. But there's also uh, the NHS and you can call them on 111. So there you go. I look forward to uh, you all listening in on episode five. I hope you can all stay safe and take care. Cheers now. Bye bye.